We bless you. We worship you. We look forward to wondrous things coming forth out of your word, your law, this psalm, this morning. Grant that, Lord, we pray. Amen. All right, I want to start with the first five verses. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Lord, again, we just are gathered here to learn from God. So teach us, Lord, from this wonderful servant, David, the insights that he had into God, into the divine realm. Lord, open our hearts to receive from you and from these words written today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We receive from you this morning. Amen. I want you to listen how David's heart is expressed in these first two verses through the New Living Translation. Listen to this. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart I will praise His holy name. Let all that I am Praise the Lord. And may I never forget the good things he does for me. You know, there's something about this man, David, and his ability to be able to praise God with all that he is. Everything stretched out toward God. With his whole heart. I love how David wasn't half-hearted. Or he wasn't distracted while he was praising God. He was fully engaged, body, soul, and spirit. You know, how often do we worship God like this? It's rare. I love the words of Jesus. Jesus said, the hour is coming and now is. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. John 4, 23. God our Father is seeking true worshipers today just as He was in David's time. Just as He was in Jesus' time. So the question is, will you and I be among those who meet this desire of His heart? He longs to see worshipers who are totally abandoned to Him in loving Him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's the seed ground of worship. Hmm. I pray that we will be found by Him. 
all of us. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are completely his. 2 Chronicles 16.9 All right, back to Psalm 103. In these first five verses, we can see God's goodness when his benefits are remembered and when they're acted upon. And for the most part, the rest of the psalm just enlarges upon these benefits when, in, when they're embraced by those who believe and obey the word of God. So now let's look at verses 6 through 18. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we, <laughs> we are dust. And as for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them. This psalm wonderfully describes God our Father and his relationship with his sons and his daughters. And it's a powerful source of healing, especially to those who had a difficult relationship with their earthly father or no relationship at all. Because it shows what our Father God is actually like. And knowing His love has the power to heal the father wounds that many still carry. He's also able to establish us securely in Him and in His presence. Psalm 103 opens and closes with the command. This is an optional. The command, bless the Lord. Now let's read verses 20 through 22. Verse 20, Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his, who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Whew. 
David's caught up in worshiping God. And he's exhorting his own soul, the angels, and all the works of the Lord to bless him. He's worthy of constant blessing. Have any of us ever done that? I think it's amazing that he's exhorting the angels to bless the Lord. Really, has there been anyone in here that's ever exhorted the angels to praise the Lord? I didn't think so. Me either. That was fresh insight to me this week. David is, hey, angels, 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 all you works of his hands, all you ministers of God, bless him. Bless him. Hmm. The rich content of this psalm is sandwiched in between the commands to bless the Lord from the very first to the last utterance. David was determined to get these truths deeply ingrained in his soul, his thought life, his emotions, and his daily choices. He was aware that he, like so many of us, could quite easily forget these benefits from God. <laughs> and unfortunately, we often forget the things that we should remember and we remember the things that we should forget. What a dilemma. But instead of remembering and focusing on so many things about ourselves, whether they're good or bad, we need to remember the things that concern the Lord. Throughout the scriptures, God reminded his people to remember his benefits. King David writes in other psalms, Remember his marvelous works. Remember the mercies of the Lord. God's benefits are our blessings. And that's how I've titled this message to this psalm. His benefits are our blessings. Well, I want us to look at five benefits and blessings that are mentioned in just these opening verses. First, the first great blessing, he forgives or pardons all your iniquities. Wow. Several weeks ago when Janet was teaching Psalms 130 and 131, she brought out the meaning of several Hebrew words that are also repeated here. And I think it's worth and believe it's worth sharing again. The word iniquities, who forgives and pardons all your iniquities. Iniquities in Hebrew is the word avon. And it means guilt and blame and evil bent. It means going your own way or being led by your own heart. There is a difference between asking forgiveness for sin and asking forgiveness for the desire to go our own way. The first deals with outward sin, and the second deals with the heart motives and the lust of our flesh. It would be good for us to pray in this way. If David did, we should also. God not only forgives our outward sin, he even pardons our desires to go our own way when we confess this as iniquity before him. I think it's kind of revelation to ask God's forgiveness of my desire to go my own way. Now, I know I'm the only one that faces that problem. 
I love how Isaiah 53, 6 says, All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. That iniquity is a pattern of sinful lifestyle. And our desire to go our own way is part of our iniquity. Jesus made an entirely new eternal way for us. Oh God. I just love how forgiveness is the first of the list of these marvelous benefits. Why? Because we need it so desperately. Don't forget how much you have been forgiven. Never forget it. Because when we do forget, we tend to make light of our own sin and we move out from a stance of humility before our God. And once we do that, we struggle to forgive others for their sin because of the pride of our own hearts. Remember that Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us as we have forgiven others. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Friends, the truth is if we really want God's forgiveness, we must be giving it to others. It's not an option. He forgives all your iniquities, all of them. He now expects us to fully forgive those who have sinned against us. Forgiveness, first great benefit, blessing for us. Secondly, who heals all your diseases. The word disease in Hebrew is the word tachalu. And it simply means disease or sickness. But when we hear the word healing today, most of us think about physical healing. Now it does include that. But his healing is for all three components of humanity. Spirit, soul, and body. We are prone to sickness and disease in all three of these areas. Spirit, soul, and body. And of course, the greatest disease that we face is that of sin. It's one thing to have sin forgiven, but it's quite another thing for us to be completely healed from sinful patterns. Rarely do we hear that old sinful ways and habits need to be both forgiven and healed in our lives. James 5.16 says, Confess your trespasses or faults to one another, one another and pray for one another. That you, may, that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. So what he's saying here is that we confess our sins to God for forgiveness, but we also need to confess our sins to one another to receive prayer so that we can be healed from the sinful patterns of our lives. Confessing to God requires humility. But you know what? Confessing to others requires greater humility. 
You know, I've had the privilege of sitting in small groups of men for over 40 years, consistently. And many, in fact most, have been in some type of bondage to sinful, sinful behavior. It, it just is the way in which we are. Sinful patterns need both forgiveness and healing. Greater sin needs greater grace. Have you ever seen that? Greater sin needs greater grace. And since God gives grace to the humble, then confessing our sins to others is God's pathway through grace, through humbling ourselves to the healing grace to destroy the grip of sin in our hearts. David wrote in Psalm 41.4, O Lord, be gracious. In other words, full of grace to me and heal my soul for I have sinned against thee. Isaiah 53, 5 says, By his stripes we are healed. And God does heal all our diseases because Jesus took our sicknesses upon himself when he was scourged in our place. Matthew 8, 17 says, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Now healing can be instant, progressive, delayed or final upon our death. God does heal today. Even right now, God is healing. Many are being healed as they seek God in this new outpouring that's happening globally, not just in Asbury, not just on Baylor's campus, but everywhere. God has his little pockets of healing revivals. He's restoring human souls. You know, what we've learned is that healing is more common. It just seems to be in places where education and unbelief are limited. This is why every time we've gone to Africa and lived in Africa, the Africans expect the supernatural and they easily receive healing in body, soul, and spirit because they're simply trusting in Jesus for healing. They have expectant, childlike faith. But education grows us up. And it's hard for us to really become childlike. Third, who redeems your life from destruction? Now, destruction, the Hebrew word is shachat, meaning a pit or a grave or a dungeon. It means corruption or to undergo decay. Through the power of Messiah's sacrifice, we can now be redeemed from the pit of evil and the dungeon of living in darkness. His life at work in us keeps us from destroying ourselves with sin. David wrote in Psalm 73, As for me, this is a beautiful prayer, As for me, the nearness of God is for my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge. The moment we find refuge in something or someone other than God, we're immediately guilty of idolatry. And bondage will follow. 
Corruption and decay can then find a breeding ground in our souls. So it would be wise for us to ask God for a confession like David's. As for me, the nearness of God is for my good. Let me pray for that right now. Lord, I pray for all of us that we would long this week for a greater nearness to God. Lord, this is the first day of this new week. Yom Rishon, the first day of the week. Lord, we want to commit this week to our growing closer to you. The nearness of God is for our good. It's for our good and it's for the blessings of others as well. So Lord, we commit to you that you are our refuge this week. Not whatever we go to our comfort zone. Whether that's in front of a screen or opening a fridge door or whatever it might be that we find a source of comfort. May you be our refuge this week. May the nearness of God be our good this week. Amen. Author Rick Joyner wrote, The very first thing that is meant to be restored by redemption is our intimacy with God. If there were any, uh, if there were any way that we could measure true Christi Christian maturity or the degree to which redemption has really worked in our life, it would be by how close we are to Him. Fourth great blessing and benefit, who crowns you with loving kindness and mercies. Loving kindness is the Hebrew word chesed, and it simply means grace or kindness or goodness or favor. And then tender mercies in Hebrew is racham, meaning mercy or compassion. It even means Womb. Rachamim is many wombs. He loves you with many wombs of tenderness and intimacy. Hmm. God our Father has crowned us. He didn't just give it to us. He's crowned us with grace and mercy and kindness and goodness and compassion. And He's crowned us with favor. What a coronation, folks. New Zealand author Ray Comfort wrote, The glad tidings of God's mercy are only glad tidings to those who understand the sad tidings of His judgment. We, the objects of God's mercy, knowing what we were saved from, should be rejoicing in proclaiming His praise. Then we are to interact with others with that same divine mercy and grace. Friends, these are two glorious jewels that God has crowned us with. The Lord's given it to us. He has crowned us at a coronation. And after receiving God's amazing grace comes the responsibility now for us to pass that on to others. We have a royal anointing to give mercy and grace to others. Isn't that great? We get to crown other people with grace and mercy as God has crowned us. Lastly, number five, 
who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. You know, for many years I used to look at this and say, he satisfies my mouth with good things. Yes, I've had a pecan pie that Marianne put together. He crowns my mouth with all kinds of good things. Uh, Yo Zachary made a brisket. I, I mean, I, that's how I had looked at this until I started looking at what the Hebrew really says. The word for good in Hebrew is tov, meaning benefit and welfare. And the word things, talking about good things. Things, actually it's been added to the text. It's not in the original. And with no disrespect to the King James Version or the New King James Version, friends, where they got the word mouth out of the Hebrew word adi is totally beyond me. The word adi means ornament. Unless your mouth is an ornament. Of course, if you put a certain type of lipstick on and it glows in the dark, maybe you... <laughs> but it means ornament, it means decoration, or it means years. Adiot, your years. Now here's a rewarding, uh, a rewording of this verse so that maybe it can make more sense to us. God our Father satisfies and fills to overflowing your adornments, your decorations, and your years with good benefits and welfare so that your youth is renewed and repaired. God doesn't just forgive and heal and redeem and crown us with mercy. He also restores to us what the enemy has stolen. He rebuilds what the enemy has torn down. And his desire is not merely to give us life. He wants to give us life abundantly, overflowing. What a wonderful father we have. He can cause life to spring forth where there has been decline and death in our inner man. Oh, precious sons and daughters of the Most High God. Mm, I want to just remind you today, our Father is a God of total restoration. And this psalm declares it powerfully. Let's pray. Lord, you start out and forget not all his benefits. David knew how easy it is for us to forget. And Lord, we know it too. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit, you would remind us all throughout this week of how gloriously you have crowned us. You've crowned us with forgiveness, with healing, with redemption, with grace and mercy. Oh, God Almighty, you decorate us with good and you renew our youthfulness. What a glorious God we serve. Father, I pray that Holy Spirit, the helper, would help each of us 
to personalize these blessings, O oh God. This week that we would personalize these benefits which have become our blessings. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would please help us all to never forget them. Grant this for the sake of Jesus who lives within us. Amen.